0: Hey, welcome back listeners to the Noggin Notes podcast. My name is Jake Wiskirshin and you probably already know that by now, but if you're new to the show, I'm the host. And this episode I'm proud to bring you is a, uh, and I acknowledge this in the interview, is a conversation that I did not expect to go the way that it went, but I'm super happy that it did because I think a lot of people are going to find it interesting, validating, and um, I guess just overall insightful. I'm I'm just really pleased at what transpired. So uh, I'm going to let Erica talk after I get done with this introduction. First, I want to give a big shout out to everybody who is making it through this COVID-19 stuff. It's very, very challenging. And there will be an end because all things are temporary. And we can set our sights on... What is on the other side, even though we don't know what it will look like, we do know that there is another side of this, and we will emerge. So please keep your heads up. Please stay positive. And if you're in the mood and haven't done so yet, check out Audible. You can get a free Audible trial for 30 days, and it's totally... Commitmentless. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com/nogginotes and sign up for your free 30-day trial. Check out their expansive and unmatched content of audio stuff—from books to literature of all kinds, to humor and science and news. AudibleTrial.com slash Nogginotes, free 30 day trial. You download a free audiobook if you wish. I would highly recommend getting Dr. Christian Conti's Walking Through Anger. It is available on audiobook through Audible, and you can enlighten yourself to anything that they have. That's why Nogginotes exists. We want to help enrich and educate your Noggin to the matters of self help, psychological well being, mental health, and wellness emotional functioning, spirituality, and all sorts of things that pertain to health and wellness. We are a mental health podcast, but we don't stop with just the mind because we know that so many things feed into what helps make the mind well. Audible is one of those. Please intake as much content as you can. Check out Christian Conti's book, Walking Through Anger. audibletrial.com slash nogginnotes for your free 30-day trial. And also, we are sponsored by Zephyr Wellness. Zephyr Wellness is proud to offer a 100% telehealth platform during this time of social distancing and self-isolation and separation. We know that your mental health is important more now than possibly ever before, and it's time to get it checked out. If you need to, check out ZephyrWellness.org, and you can learn all about telehealth. You can visit the Frequently Asked Questions page and get some of your questions answered, and if you have other questions that we have not answered. Please email us at info at nogginnotes.com or info at zephyrwellness.org, and we will try to answer them as well. And if you have listener mail, send it to those two email addresses, info at zephyrwellness.org, info at nogginnotes.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear topics for new episodes. In the meanwhile, meantime, meanwhile, I don't know, pick one, I guess it doesn't matter, you can indulge my interview with uh, my old friend Erica Hedman, way back from college, long time ago. As she explains how her own struggles with depression and anxiety have helped her get to the point where she is today, which is to face this crisis, this pandemic, with a measure of confidence and certainty that she knows she will get through it because she went through so much other stuff before. Enjoy, and if it applies to you and you felt something, uh, please let us know. We look forward to hearing from you. Have a great day. So today we have with us a longtime acquaintance, Erica Hedman. Hi, Erica.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Ah, thanks for being such a a willing participant. For um, the listening audience, we uh, we go back to college days, many moons ago, and uh, we crossed paths in the Greek system and whatnot. And uh, you're no longer you're originally from Reno, but you live in Anchorage, Alaska now. Tell everybody what you do and who you are and what hood you rep.
1: Sure. Um, So, yeah, I've been in, let's see, so born and raised in Reno and went to university there at University of Nevada, which is where we met. And then after college, I moved to L.A. and I lived in L.A. for a couple of years and um, had a great time, but was ready to leave Southern California And I didn't want to go back to Reno and I have an oldest sister that lives up in Anchorage and so she offered for me to come up and stay with her for a little while and um, I thought about it for a day and three weeks later I flew up to Anchorage, Alaska (laughs) with a couple suitcases and that was in January 2010. So I've been in Alaska for 10 years now which blows my mind. I did not think I would be here for this long and yeah, it's been kind of a wild ride. Um, I probably, let's see, I, I, I currently work in the tourism industry, and I've worked in tourism for about six and a half years now, I think, and that was kind of the thing that was the game changer for me. I have got to see so much of the state and do so many cool things that I never would have in my wildest dreams get to do bucket list items that people save their whole life for. And that's what just made me fall in love with this place and want to stick around and see some more of it. So that's kind of what got me up here. And um, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride.
0: Yeah. T- talk a little bit. I mean, this isn't why I'm having you on the podcast, but I want to hear a little bit more about Alaska and some of those bucket list things for people who may not know or be familiar um, we're, we're we're recording this in uh, early May of 2020, which is. Uh, right in the the thick of all the covid nineteen stuff, and so for context, if you 're listening like you know down the road, why are we why, why does this matter that 's that 's the backdrop against which we 're recording and so when tourism reopens, uh, I want people to understand i 've never been to Alaska. I have one of my best friends who you know also from college uh, adam sikorsky he 's been on this podcast before, and um, he lives up there and he 's always extolling the virtues of Alaska and uh, how beautiful it is and whatnot but I want to hear from your perspective what these people who go up there purposely to visit, what do do they do? And what are some of these things that you're, you're referencing?
1: Sure. Um, well, the state is massive and people, Mm -hmm. people don't realize how, how big Alaska is. Um, so it depends on kind of where you're going there, uh, the interior and South central region of Alaska, which is where Anchorage is located. Um, you know, we've got mountains everywhere. So the, um, I'd say probably the, the top item that uh, I highly recommend to people is flight seeing. Um, if you, the best way to see Alaska is from the air, 100%. The road system here is, for as big as Alaska is, if you you could um, impose the, the state of Alaska over the contiguous United States, and it will reach end-to-end with all the wow. islands we have and everything. That's how big we are. But our road system is um, the size of Rhode Island. So <laughs> wow. there's so much of the state that you it's not accessible by road you can only get to it by boat or by plane so um those are kind of the two the two top ticket items that i always recommend to people is get up in a plane and there's so many different avenues you can go there you, you can do just straight flight seeing. i've flown um around and then landed on denali that's kind of um
0: that's a park, right? That's a national park. Um,
1: Denali is a mountain. There is a national park, yeah. but then there is mountain as well. And so um, you can land on the mountain. You can go um, island hopping in Southeast Alaska and, um, again, get to remo- remote cabins that you couldn't get to otherwise. Bear viewing is a big one. People will fly. Uh, Katmai National Park is a big one. Lake Clark National Park.
0: To, see bears not, not to see bears, not naked. Okay.
1: Right, <laughs> So, um, you know, the bears are a big draw and these are all very expensive things to the flight thing. It's probably the highest ticket item, helicopter tours, landing on glaciers, um, amazing, amazing experiences. But again, those are the high ticket items. So when you're paying $500 a ticket per person, you know, those kinds of things, plus you're having just a vacation on top of it. Those things people will save for, for their whole life sometimes to go on. Um, and then getting in the water on a boat is another, um, you know, big thing that I always advertise is a great way to see Alaska. Whale watch, so whales are always out in the summer. So you'll see some amazing whale watching, um, dolphins, sea otters, birds, all those kinds of things. Um, and then just another kind of fun thing, if you're in the South Central region, um, we have a railroad called the Alaska Railroad and it runs from Seward all the way up to Fairbanks. And so you can do smaller um, chunk, you, the the whole, if you were to do the whole trip, it's like 12 hours. So I wouldn't recommend that no. one, but um, you can do smaller stints here and there that kind of break up into little chunks. And it's just kind of a fun way. Um, some of the railroad uh, goes off the road system. So you can see things that you wouldn't see from driving that direction. And yeah. And then kind of the biggest thing that people come for is a the cruise. They'll ask a cruise through the inside passage right. Um, typically leaves from Vancouver or Seattle. And then um, you'll come up, depending on the cruise you're on, multiple stops, you spend a day in each port. And that's kind of the industry that I'm in, not in the cruise industry, but we are um, a motor coach tour operator, bus tours. And we service the cruise ship passengers in Southeast Alaska in um, Juneau, Sitka, Skagway and Ketchikan. So those are kind of the big uh, ports that get hit for the cruises coming up. You can do a round-trip cruise, or you can do a one-way where you usually um, will typically end in either Whittier or Seward. And then some people will then do a land tour on top of that. So they take the cruise one way, get on the train, for example, in Seward, take the train up to Anchorage, and then they do some some exploring inland. So
0: That's pretty cool. I think yeah. uh, if uh, the state tourism uh, Agency needs a spokesperson. You you should apply because uh, <laughs> well, I was I very <laughs> succinct. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> very concise and succinct, and now we know where that originates. I
1: can I can sell Alaska. That's for sure. That's the easiest sales job I've ever had. <laughs>
0: you you did it well. Um, so yeah, and when we're this this podcast is quite international in its nature, not just because we're on the internet, but because we've had uh, people from all over the world uh, on, which is really cool. So we've got a little bit of a listenership all over the world. So. Uh, hearing about those really cool things that you really can't do anywhere else uh, is, is pretty pretty compelling. So, um, but enough of that. That's not why I had you on. I had you on because we were chatting the other day because we had some uh, stuff in common that just popped up and we hadn't talked in a couple of years. And it turns out uh, we got on the topic of mental health and you know how the, uh, Zephyr is doing and whatnot. And you volunteered some information that I thought the use the the listeners of this podcast could really benefit from hearing and that was that in the face of this uh, viral outbreak you have some personal life history that suggests that your resilience is probably a bit stronger than the average person and while we all have our personal experiences that build to help build resilience for other next experiences um, it was the way that you you framed that that I, th- I thought was really interesting because you you demonstrated a self-awareness that I don't know a lot of people possess. And I think that's what, we're, what I want you on here for, is to help invite people to achieve better self-awareness and congratulate themselves and acknowledge their own victories over struggles in the past so that they're better equipped to deal with struggles in the future. So with that as your, um, tea up, uh, why don't you explain what you were telling me the other day, and I can just, uh, I'll just sprinkle in some questions along the way, but uh, start with with your personal testimony and uh, how you're facing this now, because I think it has general applicability after after virus time uh, to most of the listening audience.
1: Absolutely. Well, and so what I said in the text to you was I had seen a post that you had um, shared on your Instagram that was a statistic of the increase in calls to... Um, whatever mental health hotline it was, and that the increase was up 891%, which is a staggering number, but also to me, not surprising at all. Um, When all the COVID stuff started to hit and talk of quarantine happened and then quarantine was happening, aside from the economic crash that was going to happen, the, everyone losing their jobs, the first thing that I said to everybody was the mental health fallout from this is going to be insane. It's going to be so crazy because everyone is stuck at home alone. We are social creatures. We are not meant to be alone and in, in, in isolation. And, um, and then that's why I said I'm, I'm fortunate for my past and what I've been through and overcome in depression because I now have the tools and i can recognize when i feel myself slipping and it's happened in quarantine where i could i felt it coming back and um i had to choose again but there are so many people that maybe they might have a past with depression but they've never had access to health care or they've never had access to the tools or help and so they don't know how to navigate this or the people that they've never had these kind of feelings before they've never they don't have a past with depression or anxiety. Um, and so then even more so, they don't know how to navigate this time. And
0: yeah, I, I think that you touched on like three key points there that I want to highlight. And w- I mean, we can take them in order. Uh, so you can elaborate one is uh, the feeling, right? You felt it coming back. And I want to use that specific word because on this show and on uh, the Zephyr YouTube channel, and in many other formats, I've, I've, hammered and hammered and hammered on the difference between feeling and thinking. And we don't want to conflate the two because you can change your thoughts, you can change your beliefs, you can change your mind, your ideas, your perceptions, uh, interpretations, but you can't change what you feel. So if you inadvertently say, I feel like, or I feel, and what you mean is you think, or you believe, or you, it seems what you've done is you've basically handcuffed yourself from doing anything about it because you can't change what you feel. And you specifically said these feelings come back and they are, they're very much feelings that then if they linger, they turn into moods and depression is a mood disorder. Anxiety is a, it's not qualified that way in the book, but it's, it's a mood. Anxiety is a mood. Uh, If you're anxious, you're manic, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't mean to conflate those. I know there's people who will pick me apart for that, but the idea is that for the average user, this is a feeling. It's a sensation that goes through your body. Uh, Some people can point to it. You know, it's in my stomach, it's in my chest, it's in my head, uh, wherever it is. And it's really important to notice that. So I want to pause there and then I'll have you elaborate uh, because I think part of what I want you to do too is for those people who haven't had access to professional services, um, talk therapy, medication, et cetera, um, we want them to be able to self-regulate and self-heal. And part of that starts with identification. So if you're listening to this and you're like, well, that's great, Erica. How did you know that you were feeling that this is your opportunity to tell them what, what kind of, you know flags to look for in the uh feelings when they come, so um explain that and then i'll um I'll have you follow up on the other couple of points
1: sure um so for me personally, the feeling is uh, everything's kind of in my chest, some people get it kind of like a stomach feeling um, I feel a a physical sensation in my chest of i can't really breathe very well um it's like a tightening feeling and then there's also, I can't describe it, but it's something just feels off. Like I, I don't have the energy that I had mm-hmm. before. I don't have the clarity of thinking that mm-hmm. I had before. Um, and so it's kind of like maybe getting en- not getting enough sleep, that feeling the next yep. day of just kind of feeling off, kind of feeling out of it but it and it just kind of lingers, and then it starts getting worse and getting worse and getting worse until the next thing you know you can't get out of bed and you it's hard to it function at all and um so those are the the physical sensations i guess
0: that, do do, that do you notice me. do you notice thought changes like you start getting negative or resentful or embittered
1: oh sure um i I definitely you know, you don't find joy in the things that normally were maybe your favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just mm-hmm. kind of a almost like a numbing feeling where you just don't you just don't even have the desire to do the things that normally were your favorite things. Or you also have a lot of fear around. Um, for me, I get a lot of social anxiety and social fear. Um, what are people going to think about me? I don't want to share. I don't want to talk about my feelings because fear of what other people are going to think about me. So then it's kind of turns into this self isolation. Um, that can be another pattern that again, takes you down that road.
0: Yeah. You mentioned social anxiety and I think that, uh, it's a common, uh, emergence that depression and anxiety walk together and sure, we can, we can have a chicken or egg discussion about which leads the other. But, um, oftentimes I've found that when people present with depressive symptoms, if you just do a little bit more interviewing and dig a little deeper, you find an anxiety disorder that's manifesting the depressive symptoms, because uh, anxiety, which is chiefly rooted in fear, as I teach it, it's a fear of something, it's a fear of being judged, like you, you mentioned, um, a fear of failing, uh, fear of uh, success, even sometimes, Mm -hmm. fear of the future, which is uncertainty, and uh, you're not You're not able to embrace that uncertainty with some peace. So all this fear then leads to almost a paralysis. And from the paralysis, you lead to, well, screw it, why try? Uh, I'll just stay where I am, which then leads to the depressive symptoms because it almost seems at that point like you've quit, right? You've quit trying. And um, so by the time you get to that point, you present with these depressive symptoms, and, and, it, and it can be quite dangerous if you get prescribed an antidepressant when the underlying sim, uh, problem is anxiety because it can mm-hmm. just exacerbate the anxiety and make the oh and i 've got stories
1: i 've got stories about bad bad stories with medication for sure
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean we can get into that too if you if you want because I, I think I think it 's useful to share that kind of stuff to just to validate other people 's experiences because you, you 're not alone, um, lots of us go through this, and I think if I could highlight a little further that 's the importance of doing a good thorough biopsychosocial interview with somebody, especially t- children who you know present with depression oftentimes it 's pressures of school, um, per- performance anxiety, um, perfectionism those are all anxious uh, contributors, not not necessarily depressive contributors, but they they spin themselves into a Uh, Almost a like I mentioned before, paralysis where it's like I can't decide, and then you just like freeze and decompensate, and then it looks like depression. So, you know, all that isolation and stuff that you mentioned, um, I can I can almost hear people in my head who might be listening to this going, "Well, yeah, that's great. You recognize that that there's a change, and that's typically what we as clinicians look for. It's like, well, when did this change, and what was the cause of the change? But I can almost hear people saying. Well, it doesn't change. It's always been that way. Or I have it all the time. I mean, you know, and, they, and we start using extreme language like I just popped out of the womb, depressed, because <laughs> for yeah. oftentimes it seems like that. We look back in time and we go, I don't know when it just started. It just always seems like it's been with me. How do you, how do you help those people understand that um, this isn't, this isn't uh, some, some. cosmic chicken pox that just descends upon us and like seizes us and and like we don't have any control over it and how do you how did you help uh yourself create the awareness that you have that there is a difference there is like a uh well I don't like where I am in a in a place where I could be which is where you are now and now Mm -hmm. that you've established that it's easier to discern when you're slipping away and catch Mm -hmm. yourself right
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's taken me 37 years to get to this place. It's like, I didn't, this isn't the first time that I ever felt, oh, maybe I'm getting depressed or something. I've, I have been fortunate enough to have access to mental health care and I've seen a therapist regularly for years and years and years. Um, and I, and I've absolutely, I've been in that place where for years at a time where I just felt like there was no hope and this is just how it is and I'm damaged I'm broken who's going to want to be with me now how no one's going to want to be my friend you know everything from the friend level to the romantic relationship level you know who's going to want to be with me and nobody I wouldn't want to put up with anybody like this um why would anyone want to put up with me you know which is
0: self-feeding by the way because you start to get totally. to, you're like, well, now I'm depressed and they don't want to be with me in addition to all the you know, like, all the, yeah. the false so, beliefs.
1: And you just spiral, right? You just spiral mm-hmm. and go deeper and deeper and deeper. So I've been there and sometimes you just ca- got to kind of hit rock bottom and you have to make the choice. And that's the thing is I've, I've hit those points where I had just had enough and I I didn't want to live that life anymore. And so I took the steps that I at the time thought would help me and sometimes they didn't you know I've had I've had a lot of different therapists that um it can take a long time to find the one that you really jive with and vibe with and is really helpful and so when you spend even if it's one to ten sessions with someone and it's just not working and then you got to start all over again that's kind of it can be really defeating Mm -hmm. until you find that person and I think that um I know I have a lot of friends that have said well I don't want to go through that I don't want to have to try to find someone and start all over again. And it's like, you just kind of gotta, you know, I'm here to tell you, you just got to do it. And yeah,
0: It's it's a little bit analogous to jobs too, right? You can leave a job or, you know, get terminated from a job. And you're like, oh, I don't want to go fill out applications again. Like mm-hmm. you, how do you expect to pay for your bills? <laughs> yeah. You got yeah. it. You just kind of got it. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and, or, you know, it's like weight loss, which is another like big journey that I've been on of gaining a lot of weight in a depressive time Um, I gained 30 pounds in a year and I am yeah I I'm I'm 5'4 so I've got a smaller frame and at my highest weight I was 160 pounds and uh, I'd never been that weight before Um, and it was I was just was not taking care of myself at all and it got to a point where I was just done like I didn't want to feel the way I felt I didn't want to look the way I looked and it was just kind of a pick yourself up by the bootstraps and you got to hit the gym. And so it's that same kind of thing. You just got to do it and you got to put in the work with mental health. You kind of, you got to put in the work. It's not just going to be, how long did it take you to get to where you are? It's going to take you some time to dig yourself out and you don't have to do it alone is the thing.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate that. It's a great segue into the next point. I wanted to uh, circle back to Uh, the, but before we get there, the commitment issue that you mentioned, you, you, when you, finally commit, you know, the bootstraps mentality. It's not that, I think we conflate that sometimes with um, going on one's own way without any assistance. That's not true. What you cannot do with assistance is decide and commit. That's up to you. And there's an old joke that says, how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? One, but the light bulb has to want to change. (laughs) And it's, it's funny, but it's also true. I can't, I can't, make you do anything. You have to make yourself want to do it and then receive the help. And we can talk about vulnerability and the ability, you know, how hard it is to even receive help at some points and, you know, that kind of thing. But um, what I want to circle back to was in your earlier um, opening, you said, you said, I, I had to choose. And I thought that was an interesting uh, choice of words because I, I talk a lot about people choosing to commit, for example, like we just, you know, uh, discussed, commit to therapy, commit to the process, commit to the change, commit to um, evolving. When you notice yourself sliding toward depression again, describe the process of that choice and how you make the choice not to go that way or to alter or whatever it is.
1: Sure. Um, so this most recent time, which has you know, just a couple of weeks ago in quarantine, um, I was going through what kind of everybody was going through, fear of losing a job. Um, Like I said, my uh, job works with cruise ships that are coming to Alaska. Well, no cruise ships are coming to Alaska (laughs) until as of now, um, July 1st. And that could change. Some have canceled their Alaska programs altogether. So my job is safe for now, but I don't know for how long. Um, So, you know, there's the fear of losing your job. There's... um, just the fear of society in general, like, what's going to happen? When are we going to get back to normal? What, what will be the new normal? And this whole, again, it's kind of that that spiral, um, plus you're alone in isolation. And I definitely, you know, I, I had, I think, also, like most people going into quarantine, like, I'm going to do all these productive things, I'm going to have all this extra time on my hands, I'm going to take up a new hobby or what read that book, you know, and so yeah you know what, none of that happened. <laughs> for
0: sure. nope. I'm still waiting for it to happen.
1: Yeah, no, it didn't happen. Um, did I have days where I got out of bed, went to the couch, spent eight hours on the couch, went back to bed? Yeah. Did I have days where I started drinking before lunch? Because what else am I going to do? <laughs> totally. Yeah, I did. And you know, but after a while, I was like, all right, I got, I can't keep going down this road. And it kind of turned into a running joke with my friends was, because um, we still were very connected via group texts or Zoom calls or phone calls, FaceTime, whatever. And um, the running joke just kind of turned into like, tomorrow's, forget this day, tomorrow's a new day. And so I just tried to kind of get in that mentality of this was just one day. Tomorrow is a new day, as kind of or cliche as that sounds. And then I would, you know, I just, like I said, I had to make that choice. So things that I would choose was to not sit on the couch all day. Get out and exercise, which is hard in Alaska in March because yep. it's ice outside and 20, and and 30 degrees. And well, we're starting to get in March. We're gaining a lot of daylight, so oh. it was light out, but it was um, just cloudy and gloomy and cold and gross outside. But it's like, you know what? I just got to get out there. I'm going to do it. And um, so it's it's I'm going to buy healthy groceries and I'm going to eat good food. You know, it's those kinds of things rather than choosing the other way, which I know will take me to a certain place. And then I, I will say a big thing too that's that's helped is the, the weather here. Now the snow has melted, it changes really fast. So like spring is here and we've got a lot of daylight. I think the sun's going down at like 9 30 now. maybe maybe close to 10-ish. Wow. Um, so we've got all this extra daylight now, which is definitely a mood booster. But yeah, I just I know again from my past, if I don't choose the right things to nourish my body food-wise, exercise-wise, that I will go down that path, and it, and to not fixate on, well, this was this day, I'm just giving up, I'm just going to keep, you know, say tomorrow's a new day, but still just keep doing the same thing, um, is where I made that choice, and so if you, I'm trying to think of, and it can be small changes, I think is the other thing, it doesn't have to be like, okay, well, now the next day I have 50 things on my to-do list and I'm going to get all these things done because that's not, it's being realistic is what I'm trying to say about what you're, the changes you're going to make and what you're going to, you're going to get done or how you're going to do things. And it's those little tiny changes that then in time add up to the big change. And then it's kind of, before you know it, you're like, oh, I'm out. I made Uh it. And um, that's taken me a long time to, to kind of recognize that um, and how to to get out. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. I, there's an analogy I use frequently that says, you know, just because you walked 20 miles off a path and you're stuck in the middle of a forest, even though you wanted to be at a lake, um, with the proper routing map, compass, GPS locator, whatever, you can you can realize that there's a, a four mile path, you know, out of the forest and back to the, the road you're on to get to the lake. Uh, just because you walk 20 miles into the forest doesn't mean you have to walk 20 miles back out. And I think, I think there's a lot of people out there who, th- who believe that just because they've been practicing a certain way for a certain length of time uh, means that they have to practice a different way for the same length of time. And that's not true at all. That's not how self evolution works. It's not how self-awareness works. It's not how psychotherapy works. A little bit of insight goes a long way and we can really accelerate that process. And it is a step at a time in the right direction, right? And, and choosing that. So maybe you, fumbled your way forward unconsciously into this bad series of patterns that you, that aren't helpful and, and aren't healthy. Um, okay. Well now you're aware of it. Now it's a choice, right? It's no longer, you can't, you can't just blame external forces anymore. You go, oh, I'm aware of my choosing. Now I'm choosing to put this wine into my body at 10 30 in the morning. I'm choosing to put the Ritz cracker into my mouth at, you know, 10 30 at night. Um, once you're aware of that and the, and the motivation behind it, uh, now, you, now you're responsible for that outcome. So it is little tiny things. And I appreciate you, you breaking it down like that, because I think that's so valuable. Uh, when people look at the, what could perceivably be the overwhelming task of pulling themselves out of a depressive state or an anxious state or a longstanding pattern of, you know, tumultuous relationships or shame based thinking or any of those things. It's not that big it's a series of little tiny things mm-hmm. that you commit to one at a time. And then before you know it, you turn around and you go, Oh, I'm, I'm almost to the lake. Yeah. Um, and there's temptations to wander off the path. If we stick with that metaphor, it's like, Oh, there's a butterfly over there that I want to see. Oh no, actually that leads to not the lake. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I just need to stay on the path and let the butterfly go.
1: Well, I think the thing with that too, is to give yourself some grace and not think that you're going to okay now I made these choices and it's going to be a perfect path there you know you might get derailed a little bit and you might have one day where you order a pizza instead of grilled some chicken you know or whatever it is and um but in the, and just giving yourself the okay to do that and not beat yourself up about it because that's when you take steps back and so rather than fixating on that just giving yourself that okay to like okay we had a little bit of a setback today but that's all right Tomorrow really is a new day and we're going to keep going with those tiny changes and yeah. go from there.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the third, the, that was the third point. It's somewhere in the, and I forget where it was in the opening, but I, I reminded myself talk about present moment. Um, and you'd, you'd mentioned that several times, the text message, you know, with your threat, your friends um, uh, permission, like you just said, permission to let it go uh, meet yourself where you are. That's about being present moment minded. And if you can be where you are now and not, Dwelling in the past where you used to be, where you made those uh, decisions that you you didn't find useful or beneficial, or or in the future that hasn't happened yet, and you can't do anything about it because it's not here. Mm-hmm. If you can be in the present, you're more in contrar- in charge, or in control of your decision making, which then can produce the outcomes we desire. So I, I appreciate all that. I think that's a nice context for you know if people are listening, it can inspire hope. You know, not to give up, keep pushing, keep moving forward. Um, you know, and the other thing, too, that you mentioned is the, the idea of, like, firing your therapist. We we work for you. Um, we don't want you playing musical therapists. That's not what we want. Because mm-hmm. if if I give a client some feedback that has to do with uh, some decision-making pattern and their ears hear it as, um, I'm a failure, right? That's kind of shame-based thinking. You're dwelling in shame. You don't think you're any good. Um, and then you just bail because I, I messed up in my delivery. Well, that doesn't help anybody. What's helpful is if you come back and say, hey, Jake, you know, when you said that thing about my decision-making, it really triggered some shame in me. Well, now we can work through it together and I can modify how I present things and, and that kind of thing. And we can move through, uh, you know, together. But if you're if you're playing musical therapists, uh, chances are pretty good that it's out of a an unconscious avoidance of making that change that you actually really want. Change is very, very challenging simply because it requires... Moving from equilibrium into disequilibrium, uh, it is it is uncomfortable. It has to be by nature. Nothing that ever changed or grew uh, did so from the same spot. So. That being said, if you've tried, you've given your therapist a shot, you've given feedback, they've refused to accept it, and they've moved forward in their bullheaded fashion saying, no, you will fit in my box, it, it fits all in this one size, then yeah, pull the plug, fire us. We we work for you, not the other way around. You should never, you should never be in therapy with the same person for years on end because that means that something's probably not changing. Um, so that all being said... This was kicked off by you saying your experiences have now helped you weather this, uh, this COVID thing a little bit better than you probably would have otherwise. And I think that has real applicability. Talk a little bit about how more experienced you are, given your history, to deal with the current pandemic and its conditions, and then how people might be able to apply that in their own lives.
1: Sure. So um, I guess just... To kind of touch on my experiences, um, I wasn't really sure, kind of when you asked me to do this call, like, what I would talk about because I, I'm like I'm just Erica. I don't know, and I haven't had any big like major trauma in my life. I think people think about um, you know our military service men and women coming back from deployment and now they've got PTSD, and that's you know that's the true anxiety, depression, and little old me over here. Yeah, I, I'm not,
0: I'm not worthy of, <laughs> of my, my issues. Yeah,
1: Totally. And then, but it's like, we all have our problems and it's just because they're not as big or they're, they're smaller than someone else's doesn't um, make them any less real. Correct. Um, and so I guess, um, yeah. So I, I haven't had any of those, those big traumas. I've had lots of, um, I, as in the counseling world, I believe you would call them tiny T's. Yeah. Little t's, traumas. little t's. T's. Yeah. <laughs> The little teas that, you know, compounded over time um and with my personality type have been hard for me to to handle so hopefully just me being regular old Erica could be um something that's even maybe one person can relate to.
0: Yeah, that's um, I, I want to hover there for just a second. I think there's so many people who go, "Well, I'm I'm not I'm nothing special." I I certainly do that to myself. I'm like, "I don't know, I'm just some dude with a cheap microphone talking into a podcast. Like what what can I help?" Um and we all do that but the the simple fact is we have something to offer we have something to offer society and and that's why i want you on this because i think you have that perspective to offer that maybe makes somebody even if it's one person i'm good with that I, this is worth an hour of my time um that goes ah she just spoke right into my heart i too yeah. can motivate to you know be better or, you know go conquer the world or invent something new so yes thank you for saying that i appreciate it
1: yeah Um, and so on my, my basic level, just, you know, I kind of mentioned my personality type and who I am. Um, I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm an empath and I'm an introvert. So all three of those things, uh, lead to feeling very big feelings, having very big emotions and spending a lot of time in your mind. (laughs) And so I've had a lot to, um, and it's, it's only up until recent years, I'd say maybe like five, seven years that I've been able to recognize those as strengths of mine and um, not weaknesses because we are very much living in a society where the extroverted go-getter big personality is is rewarded. And, you know, if if you aren't, if you don't have those traits, you can be pushed aside or overlooked or um, viewed a certain way. And so, yeah, so it's taken me up until now to see those as strengths, but Kind of some of my first um, experiences were when I was young. I was bullied a lot in uh, middle school, high school. High school was pretty traumatic. Um, By the end of my senior year, I had uh, like two friends. And there was kind of a group of girls that used to be my friends. They turned against me. And, uh, you know, so there was rumors spread about me. Verbal things said to me. my My car was keyed in the parking lot at school. Um, I was physically assaulted at school and it was in front of a lot of people. So I wasn't like, I didn't really get that, uh, like a physical injury from it, but it was totally embarrassing. And um, so that really was a really tough time, as it would be for anyone. And then going into college, it's kind of funny, it's, then I joined a sorority, which you wouldn't think that someone that um, had a full on mean girl war against them would join a house of 100 women. Um,
0: but... Carl Jung, by the way, would call that inantiodromia. It's a uh, in meaning in anti opposite dromia, Greek for running, uh that like the dromedary camels run together. So in literally translated as running in the opposite, and then parenthetically direction that you know well. So if you're if you're raised super, super you know, tight-lipped, buttoned-up, conservative, you get into college, you start partying, and you don't know why, and you don't go to class anymore, and it's like, so you get bullied, uh, you're kind of pushed into a quiet shyness, then you get into college, and you join a sorority, and you're all outgoing, so it's, it's an antiodromia is the principle, <laughs> if anybody wants to look that up, but please continue.
1: Yeah, so, um, and I, I, as I was thinking about this, I I was like, wow, I think, I wonder if that really was, because I haven't had any other um, real bullying situations since high school, and I was just thinking that um, being in that sorority was almost kind of a healing process for me of seeing that I could trust these women that are, you know, a a like-minded community, and it's a place where I really um, was able to come out of my shell and kind of start to discover who I was, and um, I finally had the support um that I was looking for. And so I mean that kind of goes back to what we've already talked about is um a little bit is, is finding that support. And um so anyway, I didn't really have any other bullying experiences. Um but then in, into college um I definitely f- is when I first started noticing my first true depressive symptoms, having a hard time getting out of bed, C- couldn't focus on school, and I started to seek help and i remember um, telling my mom like i think i need to see a therapist and and she was kind of like, "well, i don't think you do," you know, and and because it was there still was this was early 2000s so there was very much a social stigma around mental health which there still is today yeah. but yeah, bad. um but it's you know being talked about more. And so i finally got into see a counselor and then i went to a psychiatrist to try medication and I did. And it was a real hard and scary time because I just I didn't have any support. I'm, you know, in my late teens, early twenties. Um I had a few friends that I could confide in, but I didn't really, again, I didn't want to be that that girl that's depressed or talking about her depression because I didn't want to be dramatic or whatever. No, or happened. or a
0: burden to somebody else. I hear that a lot too. I didn't totally. want to encumber yep. somebody with my problems. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then um, you know, I couldn't really turn to my family all that much because they just um not that they weren't supportive. I think they just didn't understand, and mm-hmm. so I didn't have that support from them. And the relationship I was in at the time, I definitely didn't have the support there at all. Um, I was told, you know, being that highly sensitive, emotional person, I would get very emotional sometimes, and sometimes I didn't even know why I was getting emotional. You know, again, bring in hormones to it all. And all I really needed was just someone to like hold me and be like, it's, "You're going to be okay. It's okay. Let's talk about it." You know, or if you don't want to talk about it. I'll give you a hug. But instead, when I was at my lowest places, I was beat down even more and just told, like, you are being so dramatic. Why are you crying right now? Oh, great. You're upset again. Perfect. Like, what is wrong with you? You don't need to be on medication. You just need to get over it. Like, depression isn't a real thing. You know, that's not a real thing, right? You know, just constantly told that. And so, again, I'm just navigating these waters by myself. And um, so that was a real hard time all through college and um and i was in that relationship for five and a half years kind of on and off and not to go into like too much detail about that but just being in that type of a relationship when you're kind of put down and made feel to feel small for that long you really start to believe it and it took me leaving reno to and moving away and that's when i moved to la to it was kind of like an escape a little bit and I knew if I if I didn't leave Reno, um, I would just be stuck in that place forever. And so when I left, I moved to LA. That's when, um, after about six months there, I think is when I had my first like true, my lowest low um, that I had had up until that point. And I haven't really told any of much of my family this. Definitely not my parents. So mom and dad, if you end up listening, don't worry, I'm okay. <laughs> Um, but I was 12 years
0: ago. (laughs) You're fine now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, um, had my first like attempt at suicide. I was very suicidal. I just felt like there, I was still in that relationship, like trying to make it work long distance and, um, trying to navigate this world in this new big city of LA. And, um, I had made some friends at that point, but I still felt really alone. And, I had a bottle of pills and a bottle of booze, and I was like, man, I could just do this right now and go to sleep and never wake up, even though that's not really how it happens, um, I know now, but um, it, you know, and I, I, so I never actually took the pills or, or drank the drink. Um, I just sat there and thought about it for a while, and the thing that kind of stepped me out of it was actually thinking about my mom, and I thought about who would find me, and how would they tell my mom, and how would my family find out? and that kind of snapped me out of it, and I was like, what do you, Erica, this, no, like, snap out of it, woman, this is craziness, so luckily, I was able to kind of snap out of it, and, and moved on, I, I, and got out of that relationship, I got a new job, um, built up these friendships, and then kind of came into this, this, um, oh, and I got back on medication, because I had been off the medication, so I got back on medication, and um so that kind of helped me dig myself out a little bit and um, i found a new i found a a therapist there and then i kind of came into this height this uh i don't want to call it a manic state but just i things were just going so well that it kind of scared me a little bit and i was like things are too good what something's gotta come down soon like this this is too good to be true and maybe that was a little bit of self-sabotage um because then it kind of did and started to kind of feel the, the depression started coming back in and um, I didn't ever get as low as I was that time when I was suicidal, but it was enough to have my oldest sister who lives up in Alaska be alarmed enough to say, I think you should get out of out of LA and, um, and I didn't want to go back to Reno and because I knew I would just get sucked back into that life that I had worked so hard to leave. And... So she said come up to Alaska and you can live with us and give it a try and I thought about it for a day and that's what brought me up there and in that in that time um but I've been up here I've st- I've had a, a string of other um abusive relationships um luckily never physically abusive I'm thankful that I've never had to um, endure that but mental and emotional abuse in a relationship is a real thing um and not even just a romantic relationship. My job that I had in L.A. was, um, there was total mental abuse happening at that job for my bosses. Like, it was so messed up. And so through, through the relationships I've had up here, you know, like I said, one of them, I gained all that weight. It took me years to get that weight off. Um, two of the relationships I was in were with addicts. And so I didn't realize the severity of their addiction until I was kind of deep in the relationship. And then it's like, how do I get out now? Um... And when someone's substance abuse is their top priority and you're not strong enough to recognize it or stand on your own two feet um, it's easy to get swept away in that current and so i've had um, i I mean it's just up until maybe uh, it's been two years now that i got out of my last relationship and and that that was like that and um, it's taken me yeah you know i mean it's taken me that long to recognize my Worth and what I deserve, and that I'm not going to put up with anything less. And my road was long, but and I again, I had a lot of help on the way from family, from friends, from my therapists that I've had over the years. And so there wasn't anything that I did alone, and it was a lot of work and it was really hard, but I knew there was something better and I wanted to work for that. Um, and,
0: I, and, I, and if I can jump in, I think all that points to a resilience now, right? So you have this series of unfortunate, and I had no idea about any of that. Um, you and I haven't talked for ages, but um, all that says the next thing that comes that's horrible, like COVID-19, oh, I can deal with that too. Because I have. I can now point to this history that says it was awful and it sucked and I'm okay. And I moved forward and there's another day. Right. And I think that's the inspirational message that we can all take from that testimony. Um, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. And I, um, I, w- I was saying to, I think I said this in the text and I've said this to other people was, I really believe that everything that I've gone through prepared me for this, because I think if I didn't have those things, I would be in a much darker, deeper place the last time I was in a really deep, dark place was, um, just last year, and, um, I had probably one of the worst years of my life in 2019. I, um, had a, uh, an old back injury that ended up getting flared up again, and, um, I couldn't work out for, like, three months. Um, I am a, my kind of fun side job is I teach indoor cycle classes, and I couldn't teach the classes, which are something that um, it's very meaningful to me to have that outlet um, to help other people on their weight loss journey, and not even just weight. Like you get a lot of um, emotional and a physical release in those kind of classes, and so to to help people um, motivate them through whatever journey they're on in their life has been uh, something I've found a lot of purpose in, and a driving force for me. And so for me to not be able to do that and to have a fear that I didn't know if I ever would be able to, because with a back injury, you never really, it's not like I broke my collarbone. I've got eight weeks to heal. Um, I didn't know if my back was ever going to get better, if I was going to have to have surgery or anything. Yeah. Luckily I didn't. But so there was that coming into, that uh, was uh, like late February that happened. Then coming into the spring and summer, work is just insane. We've got a hundred days to make our money. And um, we were short staffed and so the uh, the demand and the stress was high at my job and that started taking a toll. And my therapist was like, I know you don't want to get back on medication. I've been off medication for about six years at this point, five years. And she was like, I know you don't want to get back on, but I think you need to try something, just a low dose, temporary to get you through this hump. If you don't, I've never seen you like this before. Mm. And I think you might end up admitted. Like
0: mm. something's gotta mm-hmm.
1: give. And so Reluctantly, I said, okay, and I went to see a psychiatrist, and uh, we did a whole big evaluation uh, when I went in, and I tried something different that I hadn't been on before, and it did not agree with me at all. Within four weeks, I was full-blown suicidal. I mean, it was way worse than the um, time that I had when I was living in LA, but I could recognize that it was the medication, and I knew it wasn't me, and um, luckily I was in a relationship at the time with this great guy who was super supportive. He took such good care of me in that time. Um, so I'm very, very grateful for that. But, um, and I thought if I could just push through to the six week mark, that's when your body's supposed to kind of normalize and get used to the medication. And I, could, I couldn't make it six weeks. I was like maybe four and a half weeks, five weeks and I just had to stop taking it. I was like, there's no way I can push through this and hope that it's better. And so, um, and in this time, so now I'm teaching cycle classes again, and it was excruciating <laughs> leading up to the class. There's so much that goes into those classes of mapping them, mapping them out, picking your music, making your playlist. You give so much to yourself in that class to hold that space for people to come in to work through their whatever they've got going on that day. Um, and then you're just completely, you're totally depleted at the end. And so while I felt great after class, I had that endorphin boost um, within a matter of hours, I was just completely dead again. And, um, but I will say that having that as something to like a responsibility and a commitment to that community that I needed and I wanted to show up for them, I think truly saved me last year. It was um, one of the biggest things that kept me going and I'm so I'm so super grateful for that. Um, And so by the fall, I had been off medication and started to kind of see the light a little bit. And it was a slow, a slow climb. But again, um, I knew that it could be better. And um, I just kept moving. That's kind of one of my things that I always tell people now that over the past years that I've been talking about sharing my story more with people and letting them, you know, people ask, well, what what have you done? And my number one thing, aside from ask for help, is just keep moving. Your Dory. Um we yeah totally, like we are not meant to sit idle, we are meant to move, our bodies are meant to move, and you've got to keep moving, and it goes back to those tiny steps, those tiny little changes like if you it doesn't have to be you're training for a marathon, it doesn't have to be you're um getting a crazy cardio session for forty five minutes, it can be a walk for ten minutes a day, it mm-hmm. can be something small, it can be cleaning your house, um maybe you clean your house a second time, even though you already just did it like get a little bit deeper on those baseboards you know and it's just something to keep you moving so you're not sitting idle and you're not stewing in your thoughts basically because that's what's going to keep you spiraling down and unable to get out and so yeah then I had worked I'd worked so hard and I created this idyllic life that I was 2020 Jake was going to be my year let me tell you what I was so excited for this year I had a ton of travel coming up I hired more people at my job to help me. So I was going to be fully prepared going into this summer. I was ready for it. Cycle was going great. My back's feeling healed. I'm feeling strong and in shape better than ever. And then, yeah, I mean, everything came to a literal halt with um, COVID. Like it did for everyone. I was actually traveling when everything really started to hit the fan. And I had to cut a trip short and come home early. And um, then I had to just, you know, then start going through everything that everybody else was going through. And looking back on last year specifically, how low I was, I was like, man, if I can make it out of that, I can make it out of anything, and this quarantine is temporary, um, this way of life that we're in right now is temporary, I, I think the, you kind of talked about um, anxiety and fear, and that's one, I actually have that written down, is um, the the anxiety we're all having right now that can lead into the depression is the fear of the unknown. And we don't, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. And I think we're all kind of grieving a way of life that we used to have, whether Mm, mm -hmm. we were enjoying it or we weren't enjoying it, you know, like I'm very much have been grieving a way of life and a lifestyle that I was super excited about and, and just loving life. And it's, it's going to be different now. And I, I, that wasn't just one day I woke up, you know, it's been over the course of, of the weeks of quarantine that I've been kind of exploring this and talking about it more, getting emotional about it. You know, it's yeah. going through all the, I guess, stages of grief, really. And, um, and so, yeah, I just, I keep drawing back on, if I can make it through last year, I can make it through quarantine and there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I know the tools now that um, I need to use.
0: I gotta be honest. I had no idea that this conversation would go the direction that it did, and I'm really <laughs> thankful for it because not only does it create a much deeper appreciation for you as a human being, but mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of rich um, topic material in there for other people to draw from as well, and and say, oh, well, well, I'm not alone." You know, I I've been in tough relationships. I've had abusive bosses. I've, you know, gone through all those things. And um, if this gal can do it, then I probably can too, because there's, uh, there's an old saying that says, um, I learned this from my friend, Christian Conti, who I've mentioned and has been on the podcast also. Uh, It says, if a human being has done it, it is therefore human nature. Therefore, anything any human being has done, you also being a human have it in your nature to do that thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. And I, I think it's going to be really encouraging and motivating for other people who may be struggling as well. So I appreciate that. And I wanted to touch on one last thing because uh, I want to, be, you know, be mindful of your time. You got stuff to do, and uh, my stomach is growling. <laughs> um, <laughs> it
1: is lunchtime.
0: Um, you mentioned about like possible self sabotage because you weren't sure how to handle things going so well, and I think that's a struggle that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people have, not just with. Depressed mood, but also with um, addictions and bad habits and all sorts of things. When when you really start turning that corner to make positive change and sustain it, the disorienting realization that you're stepping into what you want can almost be more intimidating than the misery that you're trying to leave. And I'm wondering how are you dealing now with this new elevated. Um, realization that you're you're okay getting with, getting what you want, and I could I could paint a, a, a graph. I think I will actually paint an image for people listening. If you picture a like a graph, you got the x-axis, which is the one that goes vertically, uh, and you've got like mood on that, you know, or happiness. We'll call it happiness. And on the bottom, the y-axis, you have time. So across time, uh, maybe you're fluttering down in the low range. And not being super happy or maybe your mood's a little low and then you start climbing and we, we have mood swings. Everybody has mood swings. So you go up and down and up and down. But over time that baseline starts moving higher and higher along the X axis and you get happier and happier. You may start at a, a two or whatever and you're at, you're at a two, two and a half for years. But then eventually you turn around and you go, wow, I'm at a six. And I'm at a six consistently. It can seem really odd. How are you making peace with that new, way of being happy not not being on medication not needing the medication finding your own personal liberty and freedom and just really embracing joy how do you, how do you make peace with that
1: i think it's i've i've been able to see my see all of my experiences as a stepping stone <clears throat> to to where i am now and to i guess um, recognize that that's was the path that I was supposed to be on, you know, and and I, I uh I find a lot of gratitude in it. I think because I've had these high highs and then had that kind of taken away. It's it's humbling, Gives you know
0: perspective. Yeah. Um
1: but you also know what it is out there and like what you're capable of. And um because I felt the lows, I know that I don't want to feel that anymore. You know, I don't um I, I want to do everything I can to to stay in the, that higher vibration, that higher level, and not that I'm always going to be that, it's just kind of, um, again, I think this just comes with time, and and experience the awareness that it's, everything's always changing, everything's temporary, and the the good things that are are coming to me, or that I have now, um, I would never be able to, Maybe accept this before, but I earned them, and I worked really hard for them, and I can recognize that now. Which, for a long time, I don't think I would have been able to accept that. And so, allowing—it's okay to allow yourself to feel good and to recognize that you put in the work. The tiny changes did add up, and it feels good. Um, it's what, kind of like completing a project or something, you know, building something. You—you you did all the small pieces along the way put all the small pieces together and now you've got that table or you know whatever it is that you're building and it's kind of you can take a step back and feel good about it you're like all right i did that
0: cool. yeah w- without criticizing it without yeah. nitpicking it and without it's not saying, perfect. No, i didn't see yeah, yeah, that I, screw quite right I, or, <laughs> I, that's
1: exactly what i was gonna say that screw's a little crooked but yeah. whatever <laughs> it's standing yeah. up
0: yeah that's um, be- that's beautiful because i i think that you to apply your choice from earlier, you choose to let yourself be at peace. You choose to accept happiness. You choose to allow grace and forgiveness and all those things. Um, Because the inner voices that we built up over time from the bullying, from the, from the neglect, from the invalidation, um, those can often seem louder and we don't have to hand our power over to those voices. We, we can choose which ones to listen to. We can choose the affirmation. We can choose the, the encouragement, you know, and, and I think that's really, think it's beautiful, you know, allowing yourself that, to feel it.
1: Yeah. And knowing that something might take me down again tomorrow or later sure. this afternoon. And I'm, then I'm going to call somebody and cry. And, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's like, right. hey, girl, I need to talk. Like, can, you, can we hash this out, you know, and then tomorrow's a new day.
0: And do it all over again. That's right. But, yeah. but not from the bottom. You're not doing it from the bottom. You're doing it from something above the bottom. And if we use the numerical scale, you know, you didn't fall all the way back down to two. Totally. You, you fell down to four and a half, you know, and you were at a six. Oh, that's, that's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. all do that. That's that's called life. So, well, um, thank you very, very, very much for doing this. I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks, thanks for, for being me. so, yeah. Thanks for being so vulnerable too and and opening up and with that really intimate uh level of detail in your stories. I think there's a lot of people who are going to jibe with that and resonate with it. And, um, or it will resonate with them. However that goes, um, I hope so. teach people to communicate for a living. I can't even get my words straight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks. Um, what's I always end things with like, what's, what, what are you taking away from this Or one thing that jumps out at you, but I don't want to ask that question. I want, what I want to ask is what are you going to leave with people? If what, if there's one thing that people can take away from what you're saying, what would you want it to be?
1: um i guess just repeating um what i said before was just kind of my top um top three things are always ask for help um don't ever feel like you're a burden to someone you're putting somebody out because that is completely lies that your ego is just telling you that Mm -hmm. um it's it's not the truth so and it doesn't have to be you know it'd be great if it's a counselor and a a medical professional but even if it's just a friend or a family or a um, podcast member or a podcast. There you go. Absolutely. Probably needs more yeah. podcasts. <laughs> Ask for help. The tiny changes don't discount the small steps you can take that will then eventually add up over time. And number one is just keep moving. Like don't, don't let yourself be idle for too long. And, and there's, there's a place for that too. There's a place to spend eight hours on a couch. There is that day that, and give yourself the okay to have that day. And Not then, with kids, by the way. Just, well, it yeah. just doesn't happen. I don't have I'm children. So here I'm here to
0: testify to that. <laughs> I would like eight hours on the couch someday.
1: But give yourself grace for the downfalls that you have and then just keep moving forward.
0: Just keep me. Just keep yeah. me. Thanks. I appreciate you um, from all of us at Naga Notes, our entire team, as well as the Zephyr Wellness family. We wish you all great mental wellness. Bye-bye.